What's up? What's up, Nick? Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because the ultimate life hack is being in control of your own time. Happy New Year to you. And may this be a year of stacking up incremental improvements, incremental optimizations, getting 1% better every day. That's the idea. That's what I have to do. To help out with that goal, I am excited to introduce a serial entrepreneur. He's got a couple exits under his belt, a new dad. He's a professional life optimizer and a podcast host from All the Hacks, Chris Hutchins. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and excited for the new year. And me as well. So the stated mission of All the Hacks is to help listeners upgrade every aspect of their life while spending less and saving more. I think that's a mission we can get on board with since this show is also about upgrading your life through entrepreneurship. Chris has got a full docket of hacks to share with us today to start your year off right, and I'll do my best to chime in as well. These are you know, designed to be quick, actionable ideas that you can apply to make these little upgrades to your life. I love geeking out on this stuff. To give some structure to the episode, we've broken these down into categories like work and productivity, networking, money, travel, health, all that jazz. Now, to be fair, right, one person's hack is another person's habit. Once you know something, it's hard to imagine not knowing it. But let me tee up the uh, work and productivity category with something that I've been doing, something that I've found helpful, and that's recurring calendar reminders. And especially for infrequent stuff like quarterly tax payments or other governmental filing requirements. Like when I was in California, I had to file this LLC statement of information, but I only had to do it every two years, like every other year they required this thing. And it was just long enough to forget how you did it, where it was supposed to go, you know, where to find these files. So recurring calendar reminders uh, helped me remember to do that when it was due. And also in the details of that calendar reminder of that calendar meeting to myself, basically, I can paste in the process, like step one, step two, step three. So you don't have to, you know, reinvent the wheel and re-remember how to do that. And that's all right there. So that's one that has been helpful for me, recurring calendar reminders. If it doesn't go on the calendar, it's more likely to be forgotten. So I'll start there and uh, pass it over to you. Yeah, I'm excited that we get to do a collaborative episode and and kind of harness the wisdom of of both of us. I'm probably going to learn a lot. So when it comes to work and productivity, I could go a lot of places, but I'll focus on two things, just being able to do more with my keyboard. So keyboard shortcuts in Gmail are a big one for me, uh, if you haven't figured those out. Spectacle or Rectangle are two apps I use on the Mac to be able to move windows around. I just find that sometimes, you know, it's just easy to move something to the left, move something to the right. That's really helpful. I use an app called Alfred, which makes it really easy to just find and automate things on your computer. Just like open it up. Uh, I have a thing, part of it where I could just search for emojis. So if I'm trying to type and I want to add an emoji, I can just start searching for it. I can open folders. I can trigger actions. All of those are, are ways that I'm just operating at peak efficiency, keyboard only, not taking the time to kind of go into mouse mode, which for me is like, now I'm slowing down. Now I'm getting distracted. It's like, you know, you were talking about like, you know, seconds here, but every second counts. And I'm the same way, like keyboard shortcuts in Gmail were a game changer, K to advance to the next message, R to reply. And then I pair that with text expander. So it's like, okay, I can bang out an email, you know, sometimes just a few keystrokes. And if you're doing batch processing on the email front, which is something that I've got this probably overly elaborate uh, system of Gmail filters combined with uh, SaneBox is also a pretty smart filtering system to get like messages into folders with their like counterparts. And so that, in my case, I, I find that easier to process than, you know, if it all was in, you know, one inbox to rule them all kind of a thing. So that's uh, definitely helpful there. Alfred is new to me. Oh, I'm a PC guy. So I'm a uh, spectacle rectangle, also new to me. Anything else on the uh, keyboard or hardware front? Yeah, so I'll just throw out there. I'm sure there are Windows alternatives to, to all of these things. So if you search like, you know, Windows, Alfred, I'm sure you'll find them. The one thing that Alfred does that I, I didn't mention that I think is probably saved me so much time is it stores your clipboard for the last three months. So let's take take example. Uh, when I'm prepping for a podcast, I have an intro that's like, you know, hello and welcome to the, another episode of All the Hacks. And when I'm trying to write it up, it's like, well, I could go find the old file and pull it up. And cut, but I just search my clipboard for hello and welcome and boom, there it is. 
um, or I'm looking for someone's email address and I search the clipboard for the at symbol and I can find, you know, every time I've copied something that uses the, the at symbol. And so that is a huge win and, and not just seconds. For me, I interviewed a guy named Nir Eyal who wrote a book called Indistractable and he kind of gave me a Gmail organization method that I use, which is everything in the inbox gets processed into today, this week, or basically gone. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, I process the today stuff. Throughout the week, I process the this week stuff. And that's it. Every email gets looked at twice, once when you process it into a place and once when you you take action. And I found that anything that doesn't really need action this week is probably something I could just say goodbye to or put it in this week, but snooze it for you know a month if it's something that I can come back to. But that's how I manage my Gmail. You've probably talked about something like 1Password before, but when it comes to efficiency, storing all my credit cards, storing all my passwords in a place that I can both share with my wife for kind of things we both need to log into, that has been a big one. And then another strange one is I use an app on on Mac called BlueStacks. I think they might have a Windows version, which is an Android emulator. So there are a handful of apps that I just really want to use, but they don't have computer versions. So the biggest one for me was Nanit, which is a uh, baby monitor. And they don't have a computer version, but I, you know sometimes I want to watch our daughter. And so I use the Android emulator to pull up the Android app to do, watch the baby monitor. But since I found a handful of apps that maybe don't have web versions or, or kind of computer versions of maybe it's a to-do list, maybe it's this, it makes it really easy to just run an Android app on your computer in, in just a window. And that has allowed me to kind of do some things that I otherwise would have to pull out my phone and, and kind of get distracted from. Okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, there's always, I'm, I'm like worthless on my phone in a lot of ways. Like, can I just do this on my uh, my laptop instead? But yes, one password. I'm on uh, LastPass for all password management. Set up a secure password for me. Don't have to remember all that stuff. It's just a huge time saver. Auto login. Check that box every time I can uh, on my local machine. I like this email tip on today, this week, gone or or just safe to ignore because my process. I mean, this would take several weeks to, I feel like, clear out my inbox at this point. But my process is generally to leave it as unread until it is until I've dealt with it. And so there's stuff still in there from August, like before we moved. It's like, ah, I just, I, I know this is important. I just, you know, and I feel bad for these people. Like I, I generally want to reply or do something with that. But it's like, you got to deal with your own agenda first in a lot of ways. But that's cool. Anything else on the work productivity side? The one thing about the pandemic is that we started doing all these video meetings. And I'm convinced that a good number of the things that used to be phone calls are now video meetings. And I talked to someone about whether you can kind of multitask. And the answer was, you can when they're kind of disjoint activities. You know, you can't uh, have two meetings at the same time or, or like write a book and, you know, have an engaging conversation. But you can go for a walk or ride a bike and have a conversation. And one of the things that I've tried to do was push back on video meetings to force them to be calls so I can do things like load the laundry or go on a walk and get some exercise or go on a drive. And I feel like that pushback has been successful. But I got an email from someone the other day that kind of blew my mind. And because I thought I was sitting here like, you know, I'm the guy pushing back. I'm trying to do this. And he wrote back and he said, hey, I'm actually trying to not do meetings at all. Phone calls, video, <laughs> everything. He's like, there's this great website called Loom. And I went and checked it out. And it basically lets you record your screen plus like a little circle of your video in the bottom left. So if you wanted to say, hey, I've looked at this thing, I want to share it. He's like, why don't you just record the meeting from your perspective that you want to have with me? And then I'll respond asynchronously so he could do it at any time. And I was like, whoa. You know, I thought I was saying no video, let's push to call. He's like, <laughs> no meeting at all. Yeah, that makes sense. If you can shift that to a phone call, great. If you can shift that to something a little more asynchronous, also great. One thing related to meetings that I've tried to do for the last three, four years is stack all my meetings and recordings up on Tuesdays and just freeze up bigger blocks of time for deep work the rest of the week. And I understand that's not necessarily feasible in everyone's situation, in everyone's workplace. But I would find myself 
working on something and then, well, I got to, you know, get off of one call and then I got 15, 20 minutes before the next call. It's like, well, is that really enough time to make any meaningful progress on the next project? And so I, you know, would find myself just dinking around on email, checking social media and, you know, having a harder time moving the ball forward on something meaningful. So combining the time blocking with like theme days, basically like, okay, Tuesday is going to be meetings days. And if nothing else happens today, that's totally fine because this is what it was blocked off intended to do. And then the other in conjunction with that kind of time blocking or theme days was getting really consistent about writing down the top three priorities for the next day, the night before. So I know immediately when, when work time starts, I know immediately what to work on and in what order to you know move my own agenda forward, be proactive rather than reactive. And that's made a big impact. I know it's going to be a positive day. I'll feel more effective if I have done those three things in advance of just <laughs> sitting down like, all right, what are we, what are we working on today, guys? Yeah. I mean, I'll just, I can't recommend the book Indistractable enough or episode 25 on all the hacks we, we talk about it, but there's some really great tricks about how to recognize the moment that you're getting distracted and learn how to kind of ignore it and deal with it that I was just, you know, it's really affected my day and and that whole just getting distracted by working on the thing that's easiest and and not making traction on what you care about I can't recommend that book enough to if that's a place you get stuck in and, and you want to free up time the only other big one I have and and this might fall into other categories that we're going to talk about so maybe I'll spill over but when I think about productivity I think about time and when I think about time I think of trying to get more of it and it's a finite resource that you can't get more of so it's it's how do you buy back time and how do you find things that you either argue with your partner about or maybe you don't enjoy doing? And you know, how do you buy back that time to do something else? And I used to be really struggle I used to really struggle with this because I'd think, gosh, why would I pay someone to clean my house when you know I spend an hour goofing off on the internet? And the thing that changed my perspective was I signed up for Lyft. And, you know, I, I drove for a couple hours and I was like, okay, so at any point in my life, I can earn, let's call it $20, $25 an hour, at least in the Bay Area, driving for Lyft. And those numbers might, might not be perfect, but, you know, I, I had a short-lived experiment. So I, it taught me that my time is worth $25 an hour at a minimum. And so if there's a task I don't love doing, I should easily be able to pay someone else that much to do it because I, I now have this ability to know that I could make that money if I wanted to. Now, that doesn't mean I, every free hour I go out and drive for Lyft. It just helped me realize that my time has value because for me, it was something really hard to, to realize. So now we try to eat at 5.30 every night with our daughter before we put her down and getting done with work by 5.30 or, or 5 to prep meals was really hard. So I put an ad out on Craigslist for someone who can make meals and drop them off. You know, I wasn't looking for you know, some fancy thing. I just wanted someone to cook meals, drop them off, and we could reheat them. And it's become a fantastic use of dollars to be able to avoid that task. And side benefit is that person's also shopping for the ingredients. So it's it's saving you both the grocery shopping and the cooking. And we don't do it every night of the week, but it was a great way that I could buy back time that otherwise there wasn't really an easy alternative. I love that. Um, this kind of like goes back to Tim Ferriss's, uh, you know, eliminate, automate, delegate framework. Like, first of all, this is something that needs to get done. If it is, is there a way to automate it? And if not, is there a way to delegate it, right? Going down this framework, I'm curious, like, so what do you pay for this meal prep person? Because it sounds kind of amazing. Yeah. So, you know, keep in mind everything uh, I'm talking about is Bay Area prices. And, um, you know, we asked this person because kind of for the first year of the life of our daughter, we were like, hey, can we go for organic meats and vegetables and stuff? And so I think this person charges, I want to say $40 an hour. And it ends up being about four people in the household. We have an au pair and we get two drop offs a week. So four meals, but there's so many leftovers that it's lunches and dinners. I think we pay around $400, which if you look at it as like, yeah, you could probably buy groceries and, uh, and make it a lot cheaper. But if the alternative, because you don't have time, is to order dinner on DoorDash, you know, obviously you're going to be spending way more. So for us, you know, it's not, not a minor expense, but it, it brings back the time we can't create otherwise. But worthwhile. Actually, my brother posted like things 
things that you could spend money on that were scientifically proven to improve your happiness. And one of them was taking away annoyances. And if, if meal prep was an annoyance or, you know, it was just taking time away from more important things, you know, shopping for groceries, like maybe not a high value task, then maybe this makes sense. And if you're listening to this on the other side of the equation, like, oh, I'm looking for business ideas. Here's an opportunity to look for pains and problems and making those go away. One guest recently shared one of his frameworks for coming up with business ideas. And that was to look at what the you know so-called 1% have in terms of the resources at their disposal, and then bring that to the 99%. So probably HelloFresh is an example of this. Well, it's not a done for you meal service that shows up and you just have to reheat it, but you know, it kind of shows up to your door. It's almost like having a personal chef or, you know, somebody does, somebody at least did the shopping for you and then just arrives at your door like magic. I want to move on to networking because you are a very well connected guy. You were recently on Tim Ferriss show. doesn't happen by accident. You had a Nas Daily feature for, for all the hacks and your, your credit card. <laughs> you know, millions and millions of credit card miles and stuff. So I want to talk about that. Obviously, from personal experience, podcasting has been probably my number one networking hack. It gives you an excuse to, you know, call up interesting people and where otherwise they'd be like, who are you? Why do I want to talk to you? But all of a sudden it's like, well, I got this podcast and it's like, okay, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll do this. But curious, what have you found uh, effective there? This has been kind of the key to all of my successes, I'm being in the right place at the right time. And you're right, like part of it is luck, but a lot of it is uh, not. And so for me, I think one of the important lessons is it's great to have a thing, right? Whether that's a company you're working on, a project you're working on, it's always good to have a thing to talk about. Uh, and it's always good to ask people for their wisdom. The, the word wisdom I use a lot because when you send someone a message and you say, hey, we haven't gotten a chance to meet. I'm working on this thing. I would love 10 minutes of your time to get some of your wisdom. People feel like, oh, wow, this person, I am smart. This person recognizes that. Like, I want to talk to them. And so I like that word wisdom because it's kind of like not too, uh, you know, puffing them up, but it makes them feel like they've accomplished a lot. And that's something that I think this idea of the, the kind of informational interview you can you could do without something you could say, hey, I'm looking to get into this field. You've been in this field for a while. I would love to pick your brain on a few things. One thing that happened in that Tim Ferriss episode that I think was really valuable was I made it clear that I had already done my homework. So I said, I have listened to every podcast you've done about podcasting. I've read the blog posts you've written about podcasting, and I have questions beyond that. You know, th there's nothing worse than someone saying, hey, I'd love to pick your brain. And then all the questions they ask are questions you've already answered before. And, you know, it kind of feels like you're wasting, they're wasting your time. So if you're asking someone for advice, making it clear to that person that you've already done the homework to make sure that you're not wasting their time, I think is really valuable and something that when people ask me to connect, I, I kind of really appreciate when someone says, I've listened to you talk about this. I have questions you haven't answered. I'm like, ooh, okay, this is a person that put the time into this conversation. I think that's really important. I think not trying to always network with the most important person in the room is surprisingly valuable. I think a lot of the best connections I've ever made in my career were not made through the people that you would have thought. So if you go to a conference and you're like, gosh, Tony Robbins is speaking, I am going to exclusively focus on trying to get in front of Tony Robbins. It's probably not going to work that well. But there's probably a ton of people in that room that are really, you know, kind of interesting and potentially valuable to your career and your life. And so don't go in with the expectation that the only person that matters is the most important person in the room. And, you know, a funny story I have of a friend of mine really wanted to connect with this one guy. And he was speaking at an event. And instead of trying to connect with him, because everyone was lining up to speak with him, and he's from Israel, and, and the event was in Israel, and but the guy ha was from the States. And so he went and connected with his wife, uh, who was just kind of sitting over on the side watching him talk, and they got to know each other. And he said, you know, what are you guys doing while you're here? And she said, oh, we don't have any plans. He goes, oh, why don't I show you around? I used to be a tour guide. I could show you all around Tel Aviv. And so funny enough, the, the next day, he ended up spending three hours with the guy he wanted to talk to because he went over and connected with his wife and, and offered value completely, you know, with no strings attached. And so I think the two lessons there, are, you know, don't assume that you always have to talk to the most important person and offer as much value as you can. You know, there's nothing more valuable than, um, you know, putting information and knowledge out there to someone that they can benefit from and, and 
you know, people often feel a need or a, a desire to reciprocate. So I always try to offer as much value as I can. Sometimes I'm just offering value and nothing comes back and, and sometimes it doesn't, but I always try to write up a few bullet points in an email that I think would be valuable to the person I'm sending it to, to kind of show the effort I'm willing to put in. I like that too. Make sure you've done your homework, not necessarily being sneaky about it, but trying to look for you know, ancillary um, approaches. You know, you can get a warm introduction, of course, like that's going to be a way better approach than just, you know, cold emailing somebody. I will say like in the past, I would forward like help a reporter queries like, hey, this might be a good fit for you. Like trying to just like, hey, I'm looking out for you. This might be a press opportunity, trying to tag relevant people in uh, Facebook threads like, oh, somebody's looking for help with uh, book editing. Oh, here's the editor that I've used. Um, you know, just trying to like, you know, be of service to both the asker and the uh, referee, I guess, like or editor in that case. The other thing too, like this has been huge for me, like I tend to be pretty introverted, but showing up at live events and showing up consistently, it's sometimes hard to do, sometimes is uncomfortable, but like getting out from behind your computer screen and seeing people in real life is sometimes a lot easier because the conversation flows a little bit more naturally there than trying to figure, well, what is the best cold email opener that I, you know, it's just like, you don't have to think about any of that stuff because it's like, oh, have you met so-and-so? It just becomes a little more natural. Yeah. And the more you do it, the, the easier it gets. So, you know, if you're really trying to go talk to a few people at a conference, go talk to three random people and kind of get that vibe going of, you know, how you're talking to them. And and the best advice I heard, which was so funny, was don't be afraid to walk away before. Like, don't be the person that's always, you know, holding up the conversation. And it's like such a power move. And and this woman, Catherine Minshew, who runs The Muse, who I interviewed, she said, you know, she, she had a chance at a conference to run in and, and meet Elon Musk. Halfway through the conversation, you know, a normal person might be there as long as they can because they really want to spend time. She was like, you know what? You're a busy guy. I'm going to let you go. Maybe we can connect later on email. And she walked away. And I'm pretty sure that person was like, whoa. Elon's like, whoa, this person respects my time. Leave on a good note. So don't be the person when you're at a conference that's just kind of leaving the other person sitting there thinking, gosh, I, I just want this person to shut up. I just want to end this conversation because you know, <laughs> that, that's not going to lead to a, a healthy follow-up. Uh, definitely not. I will add a couple more on the conference front specifically. If you can volunteer for the event, that's a good way to get to know the organizers and potentially the speakers or submit a speaking proposal. If you have anything remotely interesting to talk about, it's a good way to just get on people's radar, both attendees and the event organizers. And you know, maybe they don't accept your pitch, but you know, now you're, it feels like you're a leg up. You're kind of like a VIP compared to just a regular attendee. And I have found that uh, helpful in the past as well. We're talking about optimizing every area of your life because I think we all have room for some incremental improvements. But have you ever heard of a company that doesn't want you to use their product? It was a little weird when FreshBooks sent me that soundbite, that talking point as part of their sponsorship package. Now, reading on, it made a little bit more sense. So FreshBooks, if you're not familiar, is a longtime supporter of the Side Hustle Show. It's the simple affordable, award-winning invoicing and accounting solution for side hustlers, podcasters, service entrepreneurs. I've been a customer for years. But how about the not using the product part? Well, the punchline there is that it's so easy to use and with the built-in automation, you're going to spend less time invoicing, expensing, tracking projects, and you're going to spend more time doing what matters most, growing your business. In fact, FreshBooks customers report saving up to 500 hours a year. That's huge. And if you ever need help wrapping your head around something, they have an awesome Toronto-based support team who are always happy to help. I want to invite you to join me and the millions of other happy FreshBooks users by starting a completely free trial at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. There's no credit card required, and now's the perfect time to get your bookkeeping on solid ground for the year. Once again, that's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to try it free today. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like 
LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. Let's move to like home lifestyle hacks. I know it's kind of a broad category. We've talked a little bit about the you know meal prep delivery service type of thing, but I was curious if there's any tools, gadgets, devices uh, that could be family related, baby related, you know, around the house that you swear by, like you know, purchases that you say like, oh, we should have done that years ago. Gosh, when it comes to appliances around the house and things that I use all the time. It's tough. I feel like I don't have a I don't have as many as I wish I had. I automate everything, right? We've got August locks so I don't have to carry around keys. We've got our lights on different kind of automation Sorry, things. Sorry, say that again. I don't know this August lock. Oh, thing. we we have August locks on all of our doors. So I don't carry around keys. I can open them all from my phone. There's a handful of of other companies that offer this automated locks, but it it's just you know, I don't actually carry keys around and I actually use a like a three card wallet on the back of my phone. So I have the only thing I move around with is my phone. That's it. I don't have a wallet. I don't have keys. It makes life really easy. It's all fun and games until your battery dies. Yes, it is. But we have two or three doors that enter the house that are all on automated locks. So unless all three batteries die at the same time. The battery in your phone. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's funny, you talked about 1Password earlier, and I was driving to pick up our neighbors from the airport, and my phone died. And I was fortunate their car actually had a web browser. And I was like, well, I guess I could log in and email them. And I was like, crap, I don't know my email password. And so uh, I, I'm now thinking maybe I should have not 1Password, but two passwords. I have my password to unlock everything and a password to my email that I can memorize because I was unable to communicate when my phone died. Yeah, ask my wife about <laughs> about her love affair with LastPass as we were wandering around Tokyo trying to find our Airbnb and like trying to log into my email. Like, I swear it was right over here. And it's like, well, you can bring this up on your on your phone. It's like, well, I don't know my password. Nah. It was just, it was a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. What, what about you? You asked the question. Maybe you have a few things around the house that make life so much easier. And so one of the kind of silly ones is an essential oil diffuser, which was probably like, 30 bucks or something on Amazon. It is a really affordable way to kind of like change the feel of your home or feel of change the feel of a room uh, with a different scent in, you know, a matter of a few minutes. So that's one. Okay. On that note, I got one. I can't remember what it was called. I'll find it and I'll, I'll send it so you can put it in show notes. But there was a little bottle of this like lavender eucalyptus spray. And every time you get in the shower, you spray it under the water that's spraying, and it basically makes your entire shower feel like a spa. And so every time my wife and I shower, it's just spray, spray, and even the whole bathroom, even if you're not the one showering, you're just like, gosh, this feels great. I feel relaxed all of a sudden from two sprays of a bottle that was, you know, less than, I don't know, it was somewhere between 10 and $30. I can't even remember, but we haven't replaced it yet, and we've had it for six months. So to your your oil diffuser made me made me think of that one. And it w- it's been a great, great purchase. Yeah, these little luxury things. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love stuff like that. It's just, oh, now it feels like a spa all of a sudden. It's like, treat yourself in a way. This is not a gadget or anything, but along the lines of meal prep and the, the ever-present question of, well, what's for dinner? We have started using a meal prep binder that has little sticky notes of kind of our most common recipes or most common dinner choices. Because what we found was that just like taking a test, multiple choice is easier than free response. Where it was like, if you try to pull recipes and meals out of thin air, it's an exercise in frustration. But it's like, oh, you know, here's the 20 things we make most often. Let's stick those on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, in those time slots that has sped up our process. I feel like that has led us to fewer midweek trips to the grocery store. Oh, we forgot this thing. You know, make the list once and um, and do all the shopping on Saturday or Sunday morning. That's been a win. Yeah, I use uh, this app called Paprika. And this one is on Windows, Mac, 
iOS, Android. It is not the cheapest app, but I feel like we have this culture of all apps should be free because uh, that's just kind of like how it feels. And then I think, gosh, if this thing can really save me time, is it worth $20, $30? Probably so. I remember as a kid buying a video game for like $60, you know, it's a times have changed, but right. And that's in $1990. I know. I know what I use it for is anytime I'm on the web, I clip a recipe and I can organize everything into days of the week of meal planning. So this was kind of before we started this meal prep service, we would lay out our, our recipes for the week and all the ingredients for those recipes would show up in a, on a list my wife and I both log in on our phones. If we're both at the grocery store, we're actually checking things off and we can see as soon as the other person checks things off. You can quickly scale everything. So we have like 300 recipes that we've rated. And when we're in the mood for something, we just search it, find the recipe and, and add it. And we use it to meal plan. You know, it has these built-in timers. So if you're looking at a recipe that says, you know, do this for four minutes, you just click four minutes and it starts a timer for four minutes. I think it's just a really well done app that makes meal planning and, you know, recipe management and grocery shopping easy. I know there are other apps that do all of these features for free, but I think one of the kind of life optimizations is, yes, I could use four apps that all make it free that maybe have ads. But if I spend a one time 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 purchase, and I never have to jump between apps and it's just better for me, that price tag is worth it. That's something I've been it's taken me a long time to embrace, like just buy the quality thing instead of, you know, getting the shorts from Old Navy that have holes in them by the end of the summer. Like, you know, just buy the nicer pair and just be happy with that. Like, you know, one thing that's helped me, like just a mindset shift in that is amortizing in my mind the cost over its expected useful life. Like skiing is one of my, you know, go-to hobbies. And it's like, well, should I get a new pair of skis? Like, ah, you know, even like last year's demo model, right? Still have to be frugal. It's like, well, it's 400 bucks. I don't know how many, how many times I'm really going to go. But it's like, dude, when was the last time you bought a new pair of skis? It's been 10, 15 years. Like they're going to last for a while. Like they don't wear out. They don't go bad and rot in the corner of the fridge. So amortizing, especially for big purchases, like makes it easier to justify spending the money for like, okay, I'm going to get, I expect to get this kind of use out of it. I want to go to travel from here. You're the travel hacking guy. I mean, one of the best luxury uh, indulgences that I've ever bought is like TSA pre-check plus global entry for a hundred bucks. It brings me so much joy and not having to take my shoes off, not having to take the laptop out of the bag, like all this stuff that, you know, you totally take for granted. It's, and it's silly. Like we don't travel that much and it's like, okay, it's, it's this five minutes of your life, you know, taking your shoes off, like really worth it. But it just, it's the joy that it brings me and not having to do it. That makes it worthwhile. But and that's 100 bucks over five years. So we're talking like yes. $20 a year. And there are probably 15 credit cards that will reimburse you for it. And, uh, you know, you could, if you have a friend that's a real nerd about credit cards and they have two or three of them, you might be able to convince them to let, let them pay for it and maybe give you a deal since they're going to get it for free. That's right. And they, they've already used theirs, they've already cashed theirs in. But what else do you have for us on the travel front? Yeah. So, this is such a simple hack and I love it so much because I've heard so many listener success stories. And if you go back to the first episode I ever did of all the hacks, allthehacks.com slash one, uh, it was all about travel hacks from someone who is kind of a luxury travel agent, used to be the chief operating officer of the points guy. And he shared this hack and it's so easy. So when you book a hotel, book it directly with the hotel. So no trip advisor, no kayak, no online travel agency. And the reason is that hotels don't get any information about you when you do that. And hotels also want to build a relationship with you. They want you to stay at their partner hotels. They want you to come back. So you book directly with them and you send them an email after you book the hotel and you say, hey, I'm really excited to stay with you. If you're coming for a special event or occasion, let them know and say, you know, you just say hi. You're not asking for anything. And if there is something, you say, hey, I'm actually looking for recommendations for a restaurant nearby or something. You just tell them, I'm coming. I'm excited to come. And and the goal of the email is to just let them know that who you are and that you're excited to come. And look, if you happen to have a bunch of Instagram followers, yeah, maybe you could say, take a photo, maybe you could tag the hotel in advance, say, I'm really excited to come to this hotel. You just kind of let them know that you're excited to be there. And then maybe follow up a couple days before you check in. I've gotten dozens of emails from listeners who've gotten upgrades, gotten a free bottle of champagne, all kinds of stuff just from that trick. 
And so it's always my favorite hack because it's so easy. Almost everywhere you buy a hotel or book a hotel online is going to be the same price. If for some reason booking directly with a hotel is hundreds of dollars more, of course, don't do that. It's not worth it. But uh, you know, this has worked for so many people. It's worked for me, and you know, you get treated extra special, even if they don't offer you anything. They say, "Oh, you know, you sent this email. Thank you." And and if you can't find the email, call the front desk. Don't call like the Marriott Bonvoy number. Call the front desk of that hotel and say, "Hey, I, I'm looking for an email I can send to, to someone that works at the hotel, the manager, the reservations supervisor, someone. The front, even the front desk. You can send an email to the front desk. Just just get an email and let them know you're coming. That's my favorite hack for hotels. I like it. Thanks for sharing that one. On the ground in a new city, one thing that we love to do is take a walking tour or trying to find like a local guide to show you around. If you have, if you have friends there, of course, like, you know, have them show you around, ask for their recommendations in lieu of that. If you can find a walking tour, I found these like really helpful to learn the history and trivia of the city and have a local that you can ask questions of. Like we love doing this Sandeman's Europe or something like is one we've used a bunch of times in Europe. I took one for FinCon in Austin, Texas, just a few months ago, and it was learning about the the haunted history of Austin. It's like it was a ton of fun. So that's something that has helped me feel. I mean, it's still a super touristy thing to do, but like it lets you kind of get a ground floor view of the city. Yeah, I've taken so many free walking tours all over, and and I, you know, there's an expectation of a tip at the end, but there are free walking tours everywhere. And and look, if you genuinely can't afford it, they would be totally fine you know, with you not paying. The, their goal is to just provide a great experience. I also think that booking a tour of a market, a food market, is a great way to not only have someone show you around and get to learn a bit more, but get to see the culture of the place you're going. It might not be the same if you're traveling to a city in the country you live, but if you're going to some some new country or having a new experience, I think it's a, a really cool opportunity. Very good. Anything else on the travel front? Credit card bonuses, you know, sign up for Chase sapphire preferred or whatever it is get your hundred thousand ultimate rewards points like all of that is good but it's not something that you can do every single month and like to earn points consistently you've got to have consistent spending so like curious if you have any you know i know manufactured spend is a is a (laughs) no-no word in the credit card world at least from the provider standpoint but like how are you racking up the spending on the cards yeah, so the I mean the sign up bonuses companies offer are great. Uh, I, you know, you can probably jump on a few a year. If you have a partner, you can jump on a few. So every time there's a huge one, like right now the Capital One Venture X card has a hundred thousand point sign up bonus. And yeah, you've got to spend I think ten thousand dollars over six months, so you know almost two grand a month. So I was like, yeah, this is a a big bonus, big opportunity. So I went for that one. So that's one. The other is, and in a way, I've racked up a lot of the points I have. Uh, if you ever take a group trip, whether it's family or friends, there's something interesting that I learned. Most people don't care about points as much as you know I do. And most people hate planning travel. So the benefit, I found this is the perfect thing. I say, hey, everybody, I'm going to plan this trip and take all the work out of the trip booking the flights, booking the hotel, and, and you know, kind of organizing things. And I do that for all of you. And and I just book all the flights on my own card. I book all the hotels or the Airbnb on my card. And I rack up all the points for maybe a family trip of six or eight people or a bachelor party of 10 people. And everyone looks at me and they end up paying me back Venmo or you know Cash App or something. No one bats an eye at the fact that I got the points because everyone seems to hate planning trips. But if you get a card that earns you know, three to five points per dollar on flights or hotels or anything like that. And you've got eight people in your family or 10 of your friends and you're booking 10 flights and maybe five hotel rooms for a couple nights or an Airbnb. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And that's spend that you weren't otherwise making, you know. Right. Going out to spend money on things you don't need is not great. And, you know, there's certainly people out there who might tell you there's products you can buy and and flip them and, and try to, you know, get spend on your cards. For me... That wasn't it. This credit card built, I think it's built rewards just launched. And it's the first credit card that lets you pay your rent uh, and earn points on your rent. So, you know, it's been in early access. It might be out by now, but that was something interesting that there aren't a lot of cards out there that let you do that. So that's someone to check out. Yeah, those those are a couple of the big ways. It's it's the sign up bonuses, it's it's booking group trips. 
It's if your company lets you put your expenses on your own personal card, it's optimizing which card you have. If you spend all of your money on Amazon, you know, fresh delivery and buying stuff on Amazon, well, then the Amazon Prime card makes a lot of sense. If you never do, then that's not a great card. You know, so looking at where you spend money and optimizing that way and, and being patient, right? You know, you might not have all the points you need to take that epic vacation every single year, but gosh, if you signed up for two sign-up bonuses a year of 100,000 points and your partner did the same thing, in two years, you'd have you know 800,000 points. And 800,000 points is enough for two people to go kind of anywhere in any level of travel. So you, know, you might not be able to do it every year consistently, but you, know, you could probably take an epic vacation you know, every two or three years and not pay for it. Yeah, we had companion pass on Southwest, probably the better part of four years. And it was so painful when it ended, when it expired, because we went from uh, paying for one ticket, usually on points, to buying three, because then our son turned two and we had to buy him a seat. And I was like, oh, you know, this is uh, the thing. But it was great while it lasted. So yeah, you can definitely stack these up. It is a team sport. Get your spouse, get your partner involved and go to town. Is there a tool or an app to help you figure out which card to use in which instance. Cause this is something that I have a hard time like, Oh, I'm buying gas. And I remember some, one of these cards was, you know, 5% back this month, but I don't remember which one, or this one is better at restaurants at certain times. Like, I don't know if there's anything that you do to get that granular with it. There's two apps that I'll point you to. And one of them is the TPG app that the points guy app. And they just launched an app that lets you do that. The one downside is that app so far today, if you're at a grocery store, you just open it up and say, I'm at Safeway. And it says, this is the card to use. It doesn't do as good of a job. It's kind of limited to, I want to spend at this place. There's another app called Card Pointers. And uh, they have a pro version that I haven't tried out yet, but it does exactly this. You can look at all the categories and it will tell you for this category, this is the best card. For this category, this is the best card. And you can kind of scroll through that list of, of all the categories. So card pointers app or the points guy app uh, the points guy app is pretty cool because you can sync all of your card logins your chase login and your united login and your hyatt login and kind of see a tally of all your points across all places and then they use their valuations to tell you your points net worth so you know how, how many how many dollars thousands of dollars tens of thousands of dollars you have in points so those are two apps i use I'm cash poor, but I'm points rich. I know. It's like, I don't have any money, but I can travel for free, which is a great place to be. I mean, obviously better if you have the money also, but at least you get to travel for free. So that's that. Two other small travel hacks that I like. One is if you're booking uh, Airbnbs uh, or, or kind of trying to rent out a home overseas, less useful in the US, but maybe sometimes works. I found that there are so many sites that are similar to Airbnb that have different fee structures. And so if you take the image that most recognize, you know, most looks like the house on Airbnb or VRBO, and then you do a Google image search of that image, you can often find other sites that let you book the same property. And so you take the image of a, you know, a house or a condo in Buenos Aires and you search, you might find a, a local rental agency that's there, or even sometimes the website of the owner of the house themselves that has a, a house and you can find it because all of these websites typically use the same set of images. And so you, you, you use the image search to find other places to book it. And sometimes you can save 20, 30, 40% because a lot of these booking sites, you know, some of the villas in Mexico, you can book them in 10 different places. So that's one hack that I think is really, really great. Reverse Google image search. That's cool. I haven't thought about that. Yeah. And then the last one is if you're going overseas, Yes, you could pay Verizon uh, or AT&T some obscene fee. If you have a T-Mobile SIM card, you know you could use international data, but it's really slow. Google Fi is great for that, but I don't have Google Fi. Almost all new phones nowadays, whether it's a you know, Google phone or a Samsung or an iPhone, have eSIMs. So you can basically, what I do is I convert my Verizon SIM card to an eSIM, which is basically an electronic SIM card. So I free up the SIM card slot on my phone so, and then I can throw a SIM card in and have two SIM cards and I can get a SIM card that has local data wherever I'm going. So for example, we recently went on a trip to uh, Greece and France and we bought this orange SIM card on Amazon for 50 bucks and it was 20 gigs of data, 
at 4G LTE speed, allowing you to tether if you need to tether your computer, plus 120 minutes of international calls and 1,000 texts. And it worked in 30 countries in Europe. And I think Verizon for that much data, you know, was going to be like $10 a day. And we were there for two weeks. So this was an absolutely incredible deal compared to that. And it just made it so easy for us to not feel bad about, you know, checking this place online or using Google Maps because the data was, you know, we, we had 20 gigs in two weeks is, is hard to use. Yeah, I think everyone's got a horror story of international data. Like my cousin, we went to Vancouver for, you know, my other cousin's wedding and he racked up this huge cell phone bill like for international roaming. Even my dad, he was on work travel, so thankfully the company paid for it, but it was like a thousand dollar cell phone bill for his like business trip to China or something. He's like, sorry guys, I didn't mean to. But yeah, I love I love those. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. For for like two, three day trips, I'll just pay the ten dollars a day because it's easier than the hassle of figuring it all out. But if you're gonna be in a city or a continent for a couple weeks or even a week, look online at the cheapest SIM cards, convert your domestic uh, plan to an eSIM and just get a SIM card when you get there. It'll save you a lot of money. Very good. Anything else on the travel front? Gosh, there's, I mean, if you're not using Google flights to find your flights, I feel like you're probably missing out Uh, with the exception of, you know, no flight search seems to have anything for Southwest. Google flights, uh, the ability to say, I'm leaving, I can leave from any of these three airports and I don't know where I want to go, but I want to travel this week. Show me how much it is looking at a map. Or, you know, I know these two city pairs. I know I want to go for five days. Show me which dates are the cheapest. All of that stuff is like fast and easy on Google flights. And I, I don't even know any other site that comes close. I can't imagine that there is one in my mind uh, that, that makes it as easy to search for those things, sorting by stops, to, you know, reducing, you know, I only want flights that are this long. I only want this many layovers. I don't want to fly spirit, which, you know, personally, I never want to do. So I can always uncheck that box. I don't care how cheap it is or convenient it is. I'll never fly spirit airlines. So only once everybody's got to do it just once. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's it. flown spirit once and, and, you know, some people fly it twice and, and beyond, but I'm just, you know, I'm just not one of those people. So I love it. I think Google flights is like the best way to search uh, for paid flights. And then I think there's a website called point me. It used to be called juicy miles and they changed to point.me. And it is the best search. If you're trying to use your points, you know, to find flights with points across all the different places you can find them. It is absolutely amazing. And I'm not sure if when they made the switch, I'm still not sure. I haven't taken a trip since then. It's only been a few months, but it used to be, you know, it actually cost money. It was like, you know, $10 uh, a week to do a search. It was totally worth it compared to going to United and searching, going to American and searching. And, you know, kind of if you used to be able to tell them I have these miles and they'll say, well, if you have these kind of miles, it works. If you have these kind of miles, it doesn't work and all that good stuff. So point.me is fantastic. And, and if you're like, I don't care, I don't want to think about it, it's too much work, they have a full service concierge. You pay $200 per passenger and you know they only charge you a $25 non-refundable fee if they can't find something, but they'll go do all the credit card point searching for you. And so while that might seem like a lot, if they can get your points to, to take you to Europe in first class at the lowest of value, you might save way more than that uh, by getting it done the right way. And so... I always tell friends, if you don't want to go deep, just pay the $200. It's, you know, for a big trip, right? Don't pay the $200 if you're trying to use your points to go, you know, from San Francisco to Phoenix for the weekend. But if you're trying to take a family of of two or three people and you're trying to go to India and you want to fly in first class on Emirates with the suites, you know, you could go deep on learning how to do it or you could pay someone else to do it. That's right. Well, these are awesome. I, those are both uh, new to me. So thanks for sharing uh, that. The, uh, Airbnb cross check, you may find uh, lower fees and then point.me. Cause yeah, I get a bunch of different points in a bunch of different places. Um, what's the best use of those? We'll check that out. And then the, both the, uh, points guy app, TPG app and card pointers. We'll check those out as well. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? 
Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences, with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. So we're talking, you know, in and out about money throughout this episode, but I'm going to move to money hacks. Uh, we talked about kind of dividing the cost of an item over its expected lifespan. We've talked about, you know, some automation stuff, uh, which has been helpful for me, like automated investing, dollar cost averaging. One thing that I kind of want to throw out there, and I don't know if this is as much a hack as just a mindset shift that I think everybody should be at least aware of, and that's carving out a portion of your week to generating some sort of time leveraged income. And the reason is, you know, everybody at some point wants to be able to retire or make work optional. And to do that, you need to have that income pie of yours, you know, which is probably active income today, or for most people, at least it starts out that way, 100% active income trading time for money. If you eventually want to stop working, you're going to have to at least make that pie big enough to cover your fixed expenses with passive income or time leveraged income. And so, but if you don't carve out the time to think about it, to work on it, it's just not going to happen. So that's kind of one thing that I think has been beneficial to me. And and, um, and in fairness, a lot of these so-called time leveraged projects, you spend a lot of time in this speculative phase where you're not getting paid anything and they don't, and it doesn't pan out. But a lot of them on the flip side have worked out to the point where it's like, okay, I can put in this time up front and it becomes a flywheel that spins positively for hopefully years down the road. And whether that's an internet business, whether that's, you know, some dividend paying investments, lots of different ways to go about it. But the important thing is to like carve out a portion of your, of your week, even if it's just an hour or two to, to think about that and start moving that time leverage piece of the pie a little bit bigger. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm, you know, my podcast was one of these things that I started carving out a little time to work on and and kind of turn into a business. And I'm I'm on my way, but you know it's it's been great. We've probably done 35 episodes, so I, I feel like carving out time for for those things is really important. Gosh, we could go all over the place with money. One fun small one that uh, you know may yield nothing, but may yield you know it's, it's kind of like a treasure hunt is is searching for unclaimed money. You know, any state you've lived in has a website where you can search to see if you have unclaimed money. And I probably only found, you know, $150 over, over the last 10 years. But, you know, I've talked to people who found their parents thousands of dollars. So uh, it's always fun to go see if, if you have unclaimed money. And, and back to the point of networking, you know, this might be a little creepy for people you don't know that well. But for friends that you kind of know well, you know, you could go look up that look up a friend on the unclaimed money search. And if you find a friend that maybe has $100, $500 waiting, sending them a note and saying, Hey, just want to let you know, I was looking at his website, and I found out you have $500. Like, maybe you want to go go grab that money. I can't imagine they would be disappointed by that. 
This is unclaimed.org, the National Association of Unclaimed Property Administrators. Where where does this money come from? Yeah, so all the time there are things. For, for me, one time we had like a Delta refund that somehow we never claimed. And they were like, there, there was a Delta refund in there. Or, you know, you overpaid your taxes and they tried to send you a check and you never cashed it. Or... Uh, you know, you canceled your cable and there was a $30, negative $30 credit that you never got, all kinds of things, medical bills where you overpaid or or the price got changed. There's just all these checks where people are required to deliver the money to you. And if you don't cash the check or get the check or something, it just sits out there. And And sometimes it might be a rent deposit for $2,200 and sometimes it might be 14 cents. So, you know, I I didn't know there was actually a a centralized place like unclaimed.org, but uh, each state I've looked at has a place to look. So you go to California, go search for unclaimed property and see what's in there. Well, very cool. We'll go worth a search, if nothing else, see if anything pops up there. It won't take, won't take a ton of time. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I like to call all my service providers every year and make sure there's not a better deal out there. So, you know, this is probably no surprise to anyone here that if you call your cable company or you call your cell phone carrier, you can find a deal. Now that they all have live chat, I found that it's a little bit easier. I think that's one of my favorite hacks is when you're trying to do things that take a lot of time, like calling someone, I just pop open the live chat. I can be able to get a lot of work done on the side. Make sure you have it audible or visible on your screen. Otherwise, you'll end up starting it getting halfway through and getting distracted and never come back. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've used that to try to make sure there's not a better Comcast plan, not a better you know, Verizon plan and that kind of stuff. So that's that's definitely one that I've used a lot to kind of save some money each year. I think everyone knows there's sites out there where you can search for coupon codes and promo codes. And so every time I get to a checkout and it says promo code... You know, whether it's the Honey extension or uh, I think Retail Me Not, you know, I always try to see if there's something there. But I also like to go in and uh, just ask the live chat. Like literally sometimes I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to buy this thing. Are there any offers? And I would say, you know, one in two or three times someone says, oh, here's a coupon for 10% off. Uh, you know, you can always subscribe to the newsletter. If none of that works, you can fill your cart with everything you want. Uh, get to the point that you've, you know, you're almost checked out with your email and then just close the tab and and wait a few days. And, you know, there's a lot of times you get an email that's like, hey, you forgot to check out here. We'll offer you 10% to come back and, and finish your purchase. Yes, the abandoned cart sequence. I love it. And most of the time I'm doing that, like, I've either changed my mind or I did it on accident. But it always makes me wonder, like, crap, you know, for all the times that I just went through the checkout process like I was supposed to, like, I didn't necessarily need the thing right away. I should have just waited a couple of days to see if something like that uh, came through. But no, I love those. Yeah. And then, you know, Amex, Chase, you know, Capital One, they all have these offers when you go onto their apps. And sometimes there are things you don't need. And, and you know, if you get a deal on something you don't need and buy it, you didn't really save money. But, you know, I really love the Love Every Play Kits. They're these kind of Montessori toys that, you know, come in a subscription box and they're not cheap, but it's kind of convinced us that we're not going to buy any other toys. These are the toys, no other toys. And so they're not cheap, but they're like really well-built wood toys that, you know, I know we're going to use if we have another child. And and before I renewed, I was just browsing the Am- Amex list and it was like, oh, save $30 on a purchase of 70 or more. So I went and, you know, prepaid for the next six months of delivery boxes and and got $30 I, you know, never would have gotten. And so I would say to your point earlier about calendar reminders, you know, almost every Let's call it, I think I set it for every six weeks. I don't know why, but you know, every six weeks I get a reminder to go log into my credit cards and see if there are any deals that you know I might otherwise use. And you know, every now and then I find one and you know, I just add it to the you can only add a hundred, I learned. There is a cap, but you just go add all these things to your card and it makes it so easy. And so at any given point, I have these offers on my card. You know, when we're recording right now, I've got to spend a hundred or more at total wine and get twenty dollars back and you know, I added it. I don't know if I'm going to go to Total Wine before the offer expires, but I added it. And so if I do, I know I'm going to get $20 back if I spend 100 Yeah, that's the key. If it's money you're going to spend anyways, it's like free money that you might as well check the check the box and claim. I'll share one that you actually turned me on to, and that was BlockFi um, for, you know, a high-yield savings account, essentially, which, you know, there's some probably some risks involved. And you go check out uh, Chris's episode with, uh, is it Zach Prince, the founder of BlockFi? Yeah, the CEO and founder of BlockFi. 
But yeah, this is an interesting, I guess, crypto lending platform where they're paying at press time eight, nine percent interest on your stable coin deposit. So you transfer dollars and they transfer them uh, to USD stable coins, you know, which is pegged to the dollar. So you could always, and I've tested like withdrawing money, you know, it's back in my checking account in a couple of days. So that's been, I don't know, um, that's one that I'm definitely excited about in the last few months. Yeah. I mean, earning 9% on your cash right now is is kind of unheard of, and at least at a bank account. And you know, for those thinking, well, this has to be risk. There's nine percent. There is some risk, right? You know, it's it's what what happens is that money is getting lent to people who want to borrow against the crypto they have. But you know, they're not they're not giving someone who has ten thousand dollars of crypto ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars. It's it's you know the loans that you can take from BlockFi. You have to put up you know two or three times as much money as you're borrowing. So you know there is some risk, but the primary reason they're able to do this is that all of the large financial institutions aren't playing in this game. So for the same reason that you know a corn farmer can get really low rates because all the banks will lend to corn farmers. A cannabis farmer is getting really high interest rates because they have to go get private financing because none of the banks will lend to cannabis companies. The same thing is true for crypto right now. So over time, all the globally large financial institutions will be involved and those rates will come down. But until then, uh, it's a great deal. And I want to go to the health category and I'm going to tee this off with the hack of playing offense instead of defense when it comes to willpower. And by that, I mean practicing willpower once a week at the grocery store versus 24-7 at home. Like if I don't want to eat processed foods, I will try to exercise willpower one time at the grocery store on the weekend and just not bring that stuff into my house. But that's one on the health hack. The other one has been over the last uh, probably three, four, five years uh, doing workouts uh, first thing in the morning, especially since having kids. Like this is kind of the the only time that I find I have the time and bandwidth and energy to get it done. And it is the lead domino for the day. It is the thing that uh, sets the tone for the rest of the day. If I can get this in, even if it's just 10, 15, 20 minutes, like I know I'm going to feel better the rest of the time. Yeah, I think one of the things I I was going to say in productivity, but I didn't, was that, you know, I think that sleep and exercise make time in terms of the efficiency you'll have for the rest of the day. So I definitely encourage people to not skip out on those because they think, you know, they think they don't have time for it because I think it'll actually make the rest of your day more useful uh, and it's totally worth it. You know, like I mentioned before, I love being able to get some exercise while I'm working. So whether that's uh, a treadmill desk, working on a spin bike, going for a walk, you know, even a standing desk is going to, you know, help with your kind of general health. Those things are all, you know, important to me. My version, it's funny, I I live with someone who has all the self-control in the world. So I'm I'm the person who can say no at the grocery store and my wife's the person that can say no at the you know at the kitchen table and so we struggle there cuz she's like oh let's just buy this like I'm not going to eat this whole bag of you know whatever unhealthy thing it is and I'm like no but I will right oh, I'm I'm horrible once it comes into the house it's game on yeah so uh, you know, I use the Aura Ring to track my sleep, my exercise, everything. I love it. Um, you know, it's like the the first thing that I think it, it can give you some false confidence, and it can give you some you know really great confidence. Sometimes I only get six hours of sleep, and I look and I'm like, wow, I got a lot of deep sleep, and it tricks my mind into you know wh- whether it's true or not that I got enough sleep. You know, five six hours. At least I look and I say, wow, I got a, I got some good deep sleep. I'm probably good for the day, and I feel better. Now, if I got a lot of sleep, I don't always check the stats because I don't want to know that I got, you know, eight hours of sleep and it was a terrible night's sleep. But <laughs> I kind of use it to to feel good no matter how much sleep I get. And I kind of can see throughout the week how I'm doing. Do you do anything with the data? So it's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm back and forth on all these wearables. And it's like, okay, so this was maybe not an ideal night's rest. So what do you what do you do with that? Yeah, if I don't get a good night's rest, then I try to, you know, maybe take that day a little easier or they, they give you this readiness score and I'm like, gosh, when that readiness score is low, like this is not the day that I'm going to like use to go run a marathon, you know, usually I guess a marathon scheduled, but it's not the day I'm going to push <laughs> myself the hardest. But if I see a day where, you know, I it's like you got a great night's sleep, you know, 
you've been exercising regularly this week. I'm like, this is the day I'm going to push myself and try to beat my personal record on my run or something like that. So, you know, I don't go plot the data over months and months and months, but uh, I've looked at monitors your temperature and there have been nights where, uh, you know, my sleep was really bad. I looked, I have like really bad temperature. I'm like, oh, maybe I need to, you know, keep the room a little cooler, that kind of stuff. I, you know, I've tried to make some changes based on the data. Yeah, this is this is such a millennial like data point and i say that as a millennial like the readiness score well how how come i suck today well i wasn't my readiness score was weak you know i wasn't i wasn't prepared for this but chris has been awesome anything else on the health front before we wrap up one big thing that i learned last year was that so much of your medical bills are negotiable and a lot of times there are things on there that are you know not even accurate the wrong price you can get a much better deal and so I would I would encourage people to read up on this. I had a guy named Marshall Allen on the podcast who wrote a book called Never Pay the First Bill. And he's dug into, as an investigative journalist, all into the healthcare industry and exposed so many problems. And he has, like, in his book, actual templates for here's how to respond to the medical provider to get a better price. And if you're on a high deductible health plan, sometimes you can just ask if there's a lower cash price. If you're at the hospital, you're at the doctor's office. Um, one time I needed these cortisone injections and I said, well, what if I don't pay with my insurance? And the price was like a third of the regular price. So I think when you're paying medical bills, there is a lot of flexibility there, especially if you're on a high deductible health plan where you're going to have to be paying for it. So nothing like insurance that is so bad that you don't want to use it. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, very good. You've got all the hacks in the podcast over there at allthehacks.com. What's next for you? What are you excited about this year? Yeah, I mean, this is the year that I think I'm I'm kind of going all in on everything related to the show, the newsletter, which is allthehacks.com slash email. Yeah, I, I, this, is, this is what I care about. I, I love going on a journey to optimize and upgrade my own life, all my travel, my finances, what I do with my career, businesses. So I'm going all in. Uh, you know, you're listening to a podcast right now. You can search all the hacks and check it out. I'd love to have you over there. If you have questions, feedback, suggestions, more hacks you want to share or learn about, you can shoot me an email, chris at allthehacks.com. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for joining me. I love geeking out on this stuff probably just as much as you do. And I've learned a ton just from this uh, this chat here. So really appreciate you sharing that. Again, allthehacks.com. Check them out over there. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Automate or outsource as much as possible in your life. Whether that's managing your investments, cooking meals, automating and cleaning in your house by hiring someone to do it. I think that, you know, the the spirit of this show, uh, the spirit of entrepreneurship is that, you know, the upside is unlimited. And the only way that you can reach that potential unlimited upside is to spend time on these projects that can kind of generate all kinds of returns. And the only way you get the time is if you stop doing the things that uh, are sucking it all up. So automate and outsource everything you can so you can focus on the entrepreneurial endeavors or side hustles that you want to generate unlimited upside. Here, here. Big thanks to Chris for sharing his insight. Thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. You can go ahead and start your 30-day free trial of the number one invoicing and accounting solution for freelancers and service providers over at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where you'll meet the woman who's taken her business from almost nothing to six-figure months in under a year. I'll see you then. Hustle on.